And today we're talking about the ongoing struggle for voting rights inside the United States. And we're happy to be joined for this conversation by Greg Palace, the author of several New York Times bestsellers, including The Best Democracy Money Can Buy and investigative reporter whose work you can check out at gregpalace.com. Greg, thanks so much for joining us. Always glad to be with you. Absolutely. And Greg, uh, this week, Senate Republicans uh, blocked legislation uh, that would restore parts of the landmark uh, uh, Voting Rights Act that uh, I think has been uh, uh, significantly weakened over the years. And uh, also uh, the John Lewis uh, Voting Rights Amendment Act, which I believe is the formal name of this, um, uh, only fell by uh, a nine vote short of the 60 that would have been required to advance over the opposition from Republicans. And I mean, on the one hand, uh, uh, Greg, it's uh, pretty wild that, I mean, the question of voter access is even an issue in a country like the United States that tends to put so much emphasis uh, on the act of voting. And uh, Republicans uh, seem to claim that uh, this whole effort is really just a maneuver by the the Democrats to sort of shift uh, elections in this country in their favor. But I'm sort of a general curious, I mean, what you're making of this development and what do you think it portends for uh, uh, the issue of voting rights in the United States? Something that, I mean, from my perspective, shouldn't even be that controversial. Well, yeah. Well, let's remember, we've got a couple bills that we're talking about. Um, First of all, I would say, uh, having worked all over the world uh, and uh, especially in Europe, people are stunned that the United States has impediments to voting, including, by the way, a lot of nations like Switzerland, you don't even register to vote. They assume you're not a criminal when you walk in to vote. In fact, we haven't found these illegal criminals, you know, these illegal voters and people swimming the Rio Grande to vote for a bond issue. Uh, For all the the shouting and screaming about voter fraud, which is why we have all these rules, supposedly, to stop illegal voters from voting, um, I actually did a calculation from uh, uh, from the uh, government stats, you are five times more likely to be hit and killed by lightning than to cast an illegal vote. People don't do it. You go to jail for five years. I've never seen anyone uh, wiggle out of it, out of jail time, for one vote. Really? It doesn't happen. So we have to understand that this is, this is uh, uh, not done in the rest of the world, these games this obstacle course in front of voting. Uh, now, this week, just to make it clear, uh, last couple of days, the Senate Republicans uh, filibustered the John Lewis Voting Rights Act in, you know, and stopped it from being um, uh, voted into law in the Senate, even though there was a majority of 51 votes. Filibuster is just literally talking a bill to death so that the Senate cannot get in with its work. And to close off that that trick, to close off a filibuster, you need 60 votes. And only one Republican, Lisa Murkowski, crossed the line to vote for the bill. Now, understand, the filibuster was specifically created by Southern Democrats uh, after uh, the Civil War for one single purpose, to prevent... Uh, voting rights legislation and protection of black people. In fact, one of the only times it was ever used um, at the was uh, at the about 1910 to block 
the passage of a bill of a of a national law against lynching. So it's it's been used almost exclusively for one purpose, that is to block rights of black people to to vote. Now, it's been used lately by Republicans for all kinds of things, but basically it's a Jim Crow tactic. So, Greg, you know, part of the reasoning that the Republicans have used to oppose this legislation being passed, even though, as you say, it has the majority votes that are required, is that they say this is another attempt by the Democrats to uh, set election parameters to their advantage, to the Democrats' advantage. So they they say that the bill... uh, is unnecessary. Um, But really, uh, of course, there's always subtext subtext going on here. So what is really the main reason that the Republicans do not want this passed? Well, let's think about this. When they say they're trying, that Democrats through these bills are trying to manipulate elections to their favor, what they're saying is if you let people vote, Republicans will lose. That's kind of an interesting comment. In other words, if you really let people vote. Oh, my God, we can't win. And that's exactly what's happening. They're accusing Democrats of partisanship. But in fact, what they're saying is we don't want people to vote. It's always in the position of the Republican Party. The fewer the voters, the more difficult it is to vote, the better it is for them. Uh, But it's not very good for democracy. And it's not like I'm carrying water for the Democratic Party. In fact, I've investigated some of the shenanigans in voting by the Democratic Party. But the truth is, is that uh, in America right now, uh, unlike a century ago, uh, the party that uh, makes out well by, we use its polite term, suppressing the vote, it means blocking citizens from casting their ballots or not counting them. And and I should mention the John Lewis bill uh, simply restores what we've had for a half century, uh, the Voting Rights Act, which was gutted by the Supreme Court, the John Lewis bill, uh, which was killed this week, would permit something called preclearance, a very, very powerful weapon in protecting your voting rights. Preclearance was the fancy term meaning that if they're going to play, if if uh, some officials in a state or county are going to play games by, as they did in Georgia during the Senate runoffs, where uh, 11 voting stations were closed, excuse me, six voting stations out of 11 were closed in Cobb County for early voting. All six voting stations that were closed were in black precincts. All six voting stations shut down were black precincts. Now, that type of stuff cannot happen if the Voting Rights Act were still in full force or if the John Lewis bill had passed, because the state would have had to say, Go send the notes to the Justice Department say, oh, we have 11 voting stations. We're closing down six, all in black precincts. But we are claiming that this has no effect, racial effect on the vote. Of course, the Justice Department would not clear that change. That's the John Lewis bill would prevent the, the horrible shenanigans I saw in states like North Carolina, Virginia, Georgia, Ohio, etc., 
Yeah, and Greg, you know, the ongoing uses of uh, the filibuster to defeat this and its direct connection to uh, racist disenfranchisement is important, particularly as, um, you know, th- there are ongoing calls to the Democrats to uh, uh, basically, you know, to, to kill the filibuster and to try to get rid of it or at the very least sort of significantly uh, uh, reform it. But, I mean, there seems to be a refusal on the part of the Democratic leadership to do that. I mean, why, why the hesitance from the Democrats in terms of really doing something about the filibuster issue. Go ahead. Well, I'm going give to give you the answer in Joe Biden's own words, because it's actually shocked me. So I'm going to read you exactly what uh, President Joe said. Quote, here's the deal. And, you know, he always says, here's the deal. If, in fact, I get myself into it at this moment, into the debate on the filibuster, I lose at least three votes now to get what I have to get done on the economic side of the equation, on the foreign policy side of the equation. In other words, what he's saying to us is, I'm not going to use my political capital to bust the filibuster for the Voting Rights Act. What I have to do is save my political capital for my infrastructure bill. And I'm not quite sure what he's talking about on foreign policy. And I don't understand what he means by, oh, I'll lose three Democratic votes if I bust the filibuster. But, okay, he's telling us I'm just not going to put my political weight behind. I'm going to put my political weight somewhere else. So there's your answer in his own words. And since, you know, we have the results from so many mayoral and a lieutenant, uh, you know, mayoral, governor, gubernatorial and lieutenant gubernatorial elections, as well as some other down ballot races that happen around the country. You know, people are now, of course, looking at some of the losses in these races, especially in Virginia, that the Democrats suffered or narrow, narrow victories that shouldn't have been as narrow like in New Jersey. And they're saying things like, well, black voters didn't come out or, you know, people just aren't engaged in the in their, uh, you know, in the voting process or people don't take their civic responsibility seriously. But I mean, Greg, if the president of the United States, who is a Democrat, who at the moment enjoys a Democratic majority in the House and a a plus one in the Senate, won't put his weight behind voting rights measures, how in the world are people still blaming voters for not supporting Democratic candidates who won't literally will not support them. Well, I mean, one of the problems you did have in Virginia is that Terry McAuliffe's not a very attractive candidate. You know, um, he'd only won last time because he was uh, running against uh, the last time he won the governorship in uh, Virginia. Uh, You know, he's a very conservative Democrat. And uh, last time he won was against a really odious candidate. And so he's a very weak candidate put up by the centrist Democrats. He's very close to the Clintons. So if you don't give people exciting candidates, and it's true, it would be nice to have, uh, uh, by the way, I think our biggest deficit is really among young voters who, if they don't get excited, they don't show up. Now, I wish that that weren't true. If they would think of voting more as like, um, you have to brush your teeth. doesn't always prevent tooth decay, but you got to do it. But, uh, yeah, there's a problem of fall-off. But also, if you're not going to get candidates that are going to motivate people, um, it used to, it was always felt you couldn't get black people out to vote in midterm uh, non-presidential elections. But uh, we had the runoffs in Georgia on January 5, where I've never seen such an outpouring in 
the African-American communities in Georgia because you had exciting candidates, Raphael Warnock, John Ossoff, progressive, strong candidates in Georgia. These are two, frankly, two of the most left-wing uh, senators we have, and they won in Georgia. You give people something to vote for, and they'll come out and vote for it. Yeah, and the issue of sort of how the Democrats keep going with uh, basically these establishment type uh, candidates. I mean, what do you think that could portend for, you know, the party really as an institution moving forward? I think particularly in 2022 and 2024, if it's clear the sort of candidate that um, uh, the, 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 you know, that constituents actually want to see, particularly young people, if it's clear that that's the direction that um, that part of the base wants to go and the leadership re- continues to refuse to do so. I mean, it seems to me that uh, the Democrats only stand to lose by, you know, keep returning to that same well, even when it so clearly seems poison, and that they continue to ignore that clear desire for more progressive candidates, really, uh, at their own hazard. Well, two things. I mean, obviously, McAuliffe, candidates like McAuliffe are chosen because they're massively good fundraisers. They know how to get that money. For all of the Democrats talk about, let's reform, have campaign finance reform. They want those big fundraising dudes like McAuliffe as candidates who can, who have their own millions. He was running against a Republican who was a multi-gazillionaire. And, uh, and so they, you end up with rich guys or guys who know rich guys, and that's who you're going to end up with. And they, they tend not to be very progressive. So, you know, again, money is, money is the key in, uh, primaries and in choosing candidates. So that's one of the problems. Progressives tend not to have very thick pocketbooks. 